gifts to fathers, and many times uh, those gifts are pretty tacky. Uh, I, I heard a friend of mine who runs a radio station down in uh, Tonawata, Virginia. He was recording and saying the statistics say we spend $30 more on moms on Mother's Day than we do on dads on Father's Day. And, you know, it, we, we, there's lovely things about giving gifts. But, you know, today on Father's Day, I want to talk about the gift of the Father to us, the sons and daughters. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus said that um, he's going to send what his Father has promised. Some versions say that Jesus told him to wait in Jerusalem for the gift of the Father. So I want to talk about the gift of the Father on Father's Day to us. And that is the Holy Spirit. The fullness of who the Holy Spirit is. Now, you know, we as a uh, Spirit-filled people, we believe in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We know this, that at salvation, when we're born again, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of us. The Bible says, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost who is in you? And so the reality is, when we repent of our sins, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, theologically, it is not Jesus Christ that lives inside of us. The second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, according to the Word, is at the right hand of the Father. The one that lives inside of us. And we understand He's one God, right? In three expressions, three persons. But then it's the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, that lives inside of us. And so we are enmeshed um, in, we are empowered by, we are filled with the Holy Spirit when we are released into salvation and the new birth. But there's a place that God is calling us to, a gift to the Father, that's not just the Holy Spirit taking up residence in us, it is the Holy Spirit fully immersing us. I think it was uh, Pastor Cho from South Korea, years ago he said this, when we are born again, the Holy Spirit becomes resident in our being, but when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, immersed in the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, that the Holy Spirit is not just resident in our being, He becomes president of our being. And God wants to release the gift of the Father to His people to fill us to our Father. So I want us to look at Acts chapter 2 just for a moment. You know the scripture. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, some pastors I know say the greatest miracle of the day of Pentecost is not the outpouring of the Spirit. It's 120 Christians in one room with nobody arguing. <laughs> but they were together in unity. You know, I found something about unity. I, I was in Belfast, Northern Ireland a few weeks ago talking with uh, an apostolic leader over there. And he said that for all of our efforts of unity in the body of Christ, we don't seem to really find the unity that ends up changing the way the church operates. The scripture says that the world will know we're his disciples, not by how loud we yell, not by how many miracles we see, or how much we speak in tongues. But we value all of that. It's by our love one for another. And we've got to get to talking about unity. And he said there is positional unity. And that is, we are all believers in Jesus Christ. If you have surrendered, if you have repented, been born again, that means we are unified as sons and daughters of, of the Father. He said then there's functional unity. We are together in one place today for a function and for a purpose, and that is the service. But then there's relational unity. And that's the kind of unity that goes beyond the saying, hey, we're going to accomplish a task together. That is the kind of unity that says, I will lay down my life for you and you for me. And that's that kind of unity, I believe, that precedes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They were together in one accord in one place. But I found after 34 years of being married to this wonderful woman, she still doesn't agree with all of my opinions. <laughs> but you know what? We can be unified even though we disagree on issues. Unity in the body of Christ doesn't mean we have to agree on every issue. There's so many people that will start fighting and arguing over the most minor things. Now look, we as Pentecostals believe very strongly in speaking in tongues. Now how many of you know there are people that don't believe in speaking in tongues and yet they're born again and we are brothers and sisters? There are people that believe that the rapture can happen tomorrow, people that believe Jesus is never coming back, we're going to perfect the earth. I mean, you know, we can be in unity even if there's disagreement on issues other than the core of the gospel. And so it is that unity that brought the gift of the Father. They were together in one place in one accord in unity. Suddenly, God showed up. Guys, I want to encourage you. 
The promise of God is yes and amen. Whatever the unmet promise of God in your life is, don't give up. Because when we press in and wait on God and hold on to the promise of God and fight with the prophetic promises of the Lord over our lives, suddenly God comes on the scene. And when he did, it says, suddenly there was a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. And they saw what seemed to be total tongues separated between the rest of each of them. And it says they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know the rest of the story. People, Jews from all over the world were gathered together. They heard them declaring the wonderful works of God in their own languages. They took note of these were unlearned men and said, what is going on? They're acting drunk. And then Peter stood up and began to prophesy. Prophesy in a, in a, in a message, a sermon, a prophetic declaration. He said, these men are not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. I mean, you know, there's some people who might be drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. But... He said, this is what the prophet Joel talked about. I want to use that as a jump-off point for what I want to talk about just for a moment here. These are the ones that not long before this day of Pentecost, they're the ones that ran in fear and hid when Jesus was crucified. When he was beaten. These are the ones that should have stood up, should have declared the reality of the Messiah, the identity of who Jesus was. But instead that they were silent and then they said anything like Peter, but when the Holy Spirit came, they did more than speak in tongues. They began to prophesy the word of the Lord. In fact, when Peter said, this is what Joel spoke about. He was talking about Joel chapter 2. Remember what Joel said? Joel chapter 2. said, it will come to pass after a season of repentance. I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. How many of you have some flesh? How many of you have too much flesh? He will pour his out on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old little Jews, young men, men will see visions. It doesn't say you will speak in tongues. Now please hear me. We value the language of the Spirit. But the outpouring on the day of Pentecost, if I'm reading it right and what Peter prophetically preached, the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost was not primarily about speaking in tongues. It was primarily to raise up a prophetic To arise in our different spheres of influence and declare Jesus Christ. According to Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. You know what? Kim and I have been in the prophetic movement for 31 years now. And, and we appreciate Thank you so much. Yes, I appreciate that. Um, here's the thing. I love the prophetic. I love when God gives words of knowledge. I love when God gives a personal prophetic words. I love when God reveals people's names or addresses details of their life, or when God speaks about things detailed in the past, or God uh, speaks about the, the future and what the destiny of God is, all those things are wonderful. But the greatest expression of prophetic anointing is not how many details we can tell you about your life. I can take you to witch doctors, I can tell you what you ate for breakfast. God's not impressed with just uh, people that can tell details. The way I say it is this. Um, you remember in Scripture, God spoke to Balaam through a donkey. So here's my belief. God, when He speaks to you, I'm speaking to you because you're the closest donkey around. <laughs> we don't get impressed just because God speaks through someone. What impresses God is a heart that's turned towards Him. A heart of humility. A life growing in holiness. A life that is exemplifying Jesus Christ by the way we live and the spirit that we carry. And out of that, the prophetic revelation comes. But the Holy Spirit is to testify of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is the gift of the Father to us. So I want to look just momentarily at who this Holy Spirit is. You know, when I was in uh, the UK a few weeks ago, the Lord began stirring some of these sins in my heart. I've been preaching uh, the last year, I guess, out of Revelation chapter 4. And you don't have to turn there, but it's where John the Revelator said, I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the voice that talked to me earlier is the voice of the Lord, like a trumpet, said, come up here, I'm going to show you what's about to happen. 
We believe very firmly that God is calling the church to a higher dimension of revelation, a kingdom understanding. That if we pray for a kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, then we need to understand what the kingdom looks like in heaven. If we're called to manifest it here on earth. But uh, I've got a whole thing about uh, being caught up to the third heavens in Revelation chapter 4. John began talking about the atmosphere he saw in heaven around him and the activity going on around the throne. And it says in Revelation 4 that before the throne were the seven spirits of God. So I want to talk just a moment about the seven spirits of God. Now, we, we serve one God in three persons, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not seven different spirits. His one Holy Spirit was seven manifestations. In Isaiah chapter 11, it gives us the description. It says this, and for a second time, I'm not going to read through the whole uh, passage there, but we're going to look at the seven expressions uh, of, of the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of the Lord, which means that He is part of the Godhead. He is not, he is not a, uh, what's what I'm looking for, He is not a lesser member of the Godhead. He's not just a force. Now, I don't know if you've seen, you know, you guys are our Star Wars fans, and, you know, the recent movie Solo, and, and all this things. But I remember in 1977, I was 14 years old, and the first Star Wars movie came out. And, and just like good American preachers, people wrote books on the gospel according to Star Wars. And so, of course, Darth Vader was Satan, Luke Skywalker was Jesus, and the Force was the Holy Spirit. And also the Lord. Can I tell you something? The Holy Spirit has force, but He's not a force. He's not an impersonal power. He is a member of the Godhead. And He wants relationship with us. He lives inside of us. And so if you want to fall in love with Jesus more fully, then ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes and see the eyes of passion of Jesus looking into your heart. I love this, that when God looks at us through the blood of Jesus Christ, He's not shaking His head in disgust and disappointment, but through the blood of Jesus, He is celebrating us. The way God put it to me is God doesn't just love me, which is, He's the Godhead, He's God, He is love. He's obligated to love me, if you will, because He's God. He's also in love with me. That's an emotion. That means God feels passion for us. And so the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, comes to bring that revelation. So he's the Spirit of the Lord, number two. He's the Spirit of wisdom. He gives us the ability to discern a situation, to receive understanding of the right course. You know, in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, Paul prayed for the church to have the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Uh, one and, and so he's the spirit of wisdom to give us understanding of the ways of God. He's the spirit, uh, I'm sorry, that was wisdom, uh, to understand the, the uh, ability to discern. Number two, three, he's the spirit of understanding, which is to understand the ways of God. There was a song years ago that said, When you cannot trace his hand, trust his heart. I mean, you know, sometimes we don't understand what God's doing, we get to trust who he is in spite of that. That comes by the spirit of understanding. See, he's the spirit of the Lord. He's the spirit of wisdom. He's the spirit of understanding. Number four, he's the spirit of counsel. He is the one that comes to give us uh, comfort. He is the dove that comes to lift us up in times of discouragement, times of despair. And he comes along not to beat us over the head for being human, but to give us strength through that, correct? He's the spirit of might. Which refers to his strength, his boldness, his intensity, his energy, his power, his authority, the resources of God to equip us for battle. He is the spirit of might. He's the spirit of knowledge. Which means God knows all things past, present, and future. And he will whisper the knowledge that you need, whether it's in ministry to an individual or whether it's going forward in your uh, impact on the kingdom of God. He's the spirit of knowledge. And then lastly, he's the spirit of the fear of the Lord. You know, in America, I believe one of the things missing from many of our pulpits today is the fear of the Lord. We've got, and, and I, I love the heart of the Father. One of the things that happened in the 1990s during what was called the Toronto Blessing, the principal outpouring, was about the Father heart of God. At times, people would laugh, you know, holy laughter. People would be, you know, say, we're, we're playing with Daddy, Daddy's tickling his children. All those things are great. But how many of you know, fathers, there's a place where you love your kids, you play with your kids, but 
there's also a place where you discipline your kids. I'm not talking about abuse, but it's a place where you've got to draw a line and demand that the children grow up in the toy. That kind of preaching doesn't draw crowds, but the reality is the fear of the Lord comes by the Holy Spirit, not by condemnation from the pulpit, but by the Holy Spirit that brings the fear of the Lord. So there are seven spirits of God, but guess what? There are also seven uh, uh, symbols of the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. You know, God is beyond our understanding and our thinking, Isaiah says. And so God gives us uh, symbols. You remember how Jesus would use parables of natural things that people can identify with to explain spiritual concepts? Well, the same thing with the Holy Spirit. There are seven symbols of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about this over the, uh, the leadership weekend. He is a rain. According to Deuteronomy, he is the former and the latter rain. The rain of the Holy Spirit symbolizes the refreshing and renewing where there's been dryness and barrenness. He is the dove. The dove symbolizes not only peace, but it also symbolizes the acceptance and the sealing of the Lord. S-E-A-L. I am the sealing of God. Like when the dove came and descended upon Jesus as the Baptist. He is a rain. He's a dove. He is also wine. No, Ephesians says that we're not to be drunk with wine, there is success in that, but be filled with the Spirit. From the day of Pentecost, they were full of the Spirit and accused of being what? Drunk. There is the wine of God. You know what wine does? Wine causes people to laugh. Wine causes people to get sick. You know what else wine does for some people? It causes them to let go of their inhibitions. Yeah. Can I put that in a positive slant? When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we don't care what other people think about us. We're going to become the prophetic voice of God, not being concerned about how foolish we look in the eyes of man. He is the oil. Oil symbolizes not only anointing, we talk about this over the weekend. Oil is lubricating. Oil causes the parts of the machinery to work together. The oil of the Spirit of God in the church anoints us, but it causes us to be able to work together smoothly instead of constantly conflict. And get the parts of the church moving forward again. He is a river. River symbolizes the increase one from one level to another, and it says in Ezekiel, where the river flows, everything will live. And in the river it says there were large numbers of fish. The anointing of the river of the Holy Spirit is to bring light where there's been death and souls into the kingdom of God in greater uh, dimensions. He is the wind. The wind came as a breath. And there was a mighty wind. A wind will clear the landscape of everything except what God wants. And then the breath of God, like Ezekiel 37, will bring a breath of light to the graveyards of culture. God's raising up prophetic voices that are not going to look for a platform and a microphone in church, but they're going to go to the graveyards of culture and begin to speak and breathe the breath of life. And we're going to see resurrection happening out there. As people come to the Lord. And He is fire. Fire symbolizes God purifying our lives. It symbolizes God empowering our lives. And it symbolizes God propelling our lives into His destiny and His future. Anybody old enough to remember the old Batman TV series? You see it? You know, the Batmobile would come out of the Batcave and then the fire that might under that turbo they take off. The fire of the Holy Spirit will propel us into what God has purpose for us. There are seven expressions of the Holy Spirit, there are seven symbols of the Holy Spirit to do what? Propel us into the seven mountains or spheres of culture. Family, government, education, economy, religion, arts and entertainment, and media. I don't have time to unpack this. But what I want to lay out before us today is on Father's Day, let's say yes to the gift of the Father. Let's say, God, I don't want to just peek in the package of the gift. I want to open it full. I want to explore the gift that Daddy has purpose for me. And that gift will bring expression, it will bring manifestation, and it will bring uh, uh, a penetration of the kingdom into culture. And that's what we want the Holy Spirit to do in our lives today. Stand your feet with me if you would. Father, we thank you. God, we don't necessarily need 
uh, a long explanation. Lord, we understand many aspects of the Holy Spirit. God, we understand also that there are times that we have only toyed with the gift of the Father. Lord, there are times that we only explore one dimension of the gift. But God, there's so much in who you are, Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray that today you would release the gift of the Father. Yes, Father, if there's anyone here today that has not had the manifestation of the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and God, yes, it's to be a prophetic voice, but we believe in that release of the language of the Spirit. God, we pray that you would release that. But Lord, beyond that, we pray that you would empower us, and then God, show us what aspect of the Holy Spirit you want to release in our lives. I want to ask this. This is how we did it over the, the leadership weekend. If you were to describe the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life, how does the Holy Spirit use you? Would you say that the Holy Spirit's anointing in your life is fire? Is it wind? Is it a dove? Is it oil? Sometimes we don't explore deep enough. We just say, Holy Spirit, come, and that's good. But I believe as we mature as sons and daughters, we need to begin to explore and examine and understand the gift of the Father so we can come into cooperation with the Holy Spirit. If God is not anointing me to be fire, and I keep trying to be fire, then I'm operating my flesh. Maybe I'm called to be the wind. Maybe I'm called to be the river. Maybe I'm called to be the rain. The Holy Spirit room. Maybe I try to operate in the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And I try to bring conviction. But I'm not operating in the spirit. So I end up bringing condemnation. And beating people up. And making them feel rejected by God. What is it the Holy Spirit wants to do in you? What is the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life? So Spirit of God. Give us insight into the expression of the Holy Spirit in us. First Corinthians chapter 12, there's not seven gifts, there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, but it's one spirit. The Holy Spirit gives gifts as He wills. What is the gifting of the Holy Spirit in your life? What is the expression of the Holy Spirit? What is the symbol of the Holy Spirit? And what is the sphere of culture He's called you to in? No matter what God does, where He takes you, the power of the Holy Spirit is to be a prophetic voice in your spirit culture. In a lot of ways we can go with the ministry. In a moment we're going to turn back to the pastor, and then we're going to stick around in the altars for a little while after that. If, if uh, there are people that want prayer and ministry about individual things. But here's how I want to have this ministry time. How many of you know we're all called the wind souls? But we are, are not all called with the anointing of the evangelist. How many of you know we're all called to hear God's voice and declare Jesus? But we're not all called as prophetic voices. If you feel that God has called you as a prophetic voice, not even, I mean, it may include the church. Do you believe God has called you to be a prophetic voice into a sphere of culture? Government, business, education, arts, entertainment, whatever it is. We want to pray specifically for that anointing of Pentecost to arise within you so you bring a revelation of Jesus. So if that describes you, you say, Russ, I'm not worried about titles, but I know I'm called to be a prophetic voice in a sphere of culture where would you come join me standing here please just just briefly can you kind of come join me if you would go ahead there are some of you to lift your hand just come and stand with me just in one line across the front here Father we thank you that God you are raising up a prophetic people and 
Lord, yes, we will prophesy the word of the Lord, even in the house of God. But Lord, the gift of the Father is to do more than give us a microphone and a platform and a church service with a bunch of Christians hoping they get another word. God, most of us have so many prophecies that take us lifetimes to fulfill them. But Lord, the culture, our world is crying out, is there not a word from God? Lord, for these that are saying, God, for all of us, may we be a prophetic voice. But God, for these specifically, would you lift your hands to the Lord who's standing here with us, please? Father, we pray that God, you would go before them. Lord, that you would put the word of the Lord in their mouths. God, we thank you. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned this briefly, brother, before service. But I can sense that one of the anointings that God is saying is this. Son, I'm going to help you to uncover hidden, and, and hear this, it's not just hidden treasure. It's like hidden stores of dynamite. I, I don't understand this fully, but it's like I see God taking you to cities, nations, groups, and God's going to uncover by the Spirit of God the explosive purpose and potential in cities and nations and people groups. But you're going to do more than help peoples and uh, people groups to uncover their destiny and the potential in them. But I see that God's going to use you then to release a, a, a fire, to release an ignition force in them. But the Lord says, Son, there are those that God has called places that God has called nations and that God is called to be places of ground zero impact and expression and explosion of the Spirit of God. But many times it's been buried under religion, it's been buried under years of being uh, people's being put down. But God's a son, you're going to do more than bring healing to peoples in our hearts. You're going to help them uncover the dynamite, the goodness of the Holy Spirit that God had intended for them. It's like God says, Son, you're going to do more than identify territorial spirits and tear them down. You're going to help people and nations and cities to identify their redemptive purpose and then bring release to it. So God, we thank you for the fire of God released in the hearts and the lives of nations. It's actually funny that you mentioned the stream of dynamite and explosives and stuff because I saw you as a firework, like, you know, that you have the fourth of July and stuff. I saw you as a firework and um, as the firework went off, the sparks all different directions, some of the sparks hit different places that people never thought that the Holy Spirit could be in very dark and um, depressing places, and the Holy Spirit was there because that one little spark from the
studying to get her get her, her license. Uh, we were talking about how when there's fog on the ground, you can't use your bright headlights, and so you can only see a little bit ahead. And the Lord says, lately it seems like you only see a little bit ahead. And there's been a fog, there's been a cloud, there's been confusion. But God says, I'm going to blow it away, and you're going to begin to see farther ahead. And that God has been leading your steps and protecting you from what was out there. God says, that daddy is leading the way and you stake his hand. So God, thank you. Confusion is clearing and clarity is coming. Father, we thank you. The Lord says, daughter, even as I have, as I have used you as a plow in the ground, you have furrowed, you have plowed, you planted, you've grown, but the Lord says there is still a work for you to do in plowing, in plowing. Yes, you do it in the spirit. Yes, you do it in prayer. But God says, I'm
word of faith in you. A word of faith in you. So God, we thank you for the word of the Lord. Spirit of God, come. And it's like the Lord says, Son, I'm going to bring a fresh start. A fresh start. It's like I see a runner and starting blocks. And they, 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 uh, they uh, uh, anticipate the starting gun and they start off too early. And they have to go back and re-stretch and reposition themselves. And it's like the Lord says, son, there are times of false starts. But God says, as you're willing to re-prepare yourself, get down again into the starting position, there will not be false starts again. So God, we thank you, Lord, that you don't just disqualify us when we have false starts, but when we go off sometimes on our own wisdom. And Lord, you bring us back around so we can start afresh and anew in the race that you call us to. Spirit of God, come. And God, we pray that Lord, his voice would be like the thunders of heaven. God, that as he speaks, Lord, we need to declare. It may not be, Lord, with a multitude of words, but God, when he opens his mouth, may the word of the Lord thunder. God, and just like thunder in the natural, will catch people's attention and make them sit up and take notice. May the voice of the Lord through him cause people to take notice that God is speaking. Father, we thank you. God, we ask. I keep hearing out of Ezekiel 47 about the river. And it talks about ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, then waters to swim in. What I keep sensing is this. You know what it is to grow in God. You know what it is to, to purposefully, intentionally say, I'm going to go from the ankle deep to the knee deep. I'm going to keep pressing in. I'm going to go to the waist deep. But God says there comes a time when you abandon any hole of your feet on earth and you dive into all that God has planned and purpose. And the Lord just says this, son and daughter, I'm inviting you into the risk and the adventure of diving in because you can no longer resist the flow of the river. Your feet are no longer on the purchase of ground. But wherever the river goes, you go with him. But it's in that place when we are so inundated in, in, by the river that only the head shows. And God says the head is are being invited, but it's a risky place. It's a place where we no longer can trust in our own opinions, our own desire, but only flow where the river flows. And God says it's in that place where the large numbers of fish are, the large numbers of souls are. It's in that place where the everything comes alive. But the Lord says it is a risk, but it is an adventure. And so you're being invited into the river of the Spirit of God. It includes the prophetic, but it is the death of the I watched you as a family in this, in this vision, and I saw you as, as years ago to God in the vision. And I saw there was such an anointing upon you as a family, an anointing on you as a family. And the Lord says this, and you will be surprised at some things that I'm going to open up for you. You're going to be surprised. God says, my smile is on you, my smile is on you, my hand has been there as a seal.